Once upon a time, Justin Fuente was the head coach for the University of Memphis football program. And coming up later this month, he is going to be on the radio broadcast, which you'll be able to hear right here on 92.9 FM ESPN for the first responder bowl, Memphis versus Utah State. He's joining us now. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm awesome. Uh, doing great. How are you? Life is good. So so is this is this your first foray into the world of media? Yeah, kind of ironic, isn't it? It is. Um, I've been accused of having somewhat frosty relationship at times with the media, but uh, unjustly unjustly accused, I would say. Yep. No. Um, no. I. Um, you know, I was literally just sitting with my folks, and I got a call from Brian Estridge, who's the voice of the Horn Frogs, PCU, who I knew from my time there, and he asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, uh, absolutely, you know? So um, I'm scheduled to do three games. I hope I get to do them all. Like, I still realize I could get fired after the first one. Good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm any good or not. I know I'm, pre- I'm enjoying preparing for it, you know, but – um, I was actually found myself Dana Holgerson. I've got Houston um, in the in the first game, Houston and Louisiana. And Dana Holgerson had a press conference the other day, and they sent me a link. So it was it was on Zoom, and I was actually in the press conference. <laughs> and Dana was sitting in his office, and like, and of course, Dana's pretty animated anyway. And I had my camera off and my, and my mute off. I was just listening, but I could see Dana and I, I was, I mean, I was like immediately, I could just tell like Dana has 8 million things going on right now, right? Transfer portal, bowl prep, recruiting, all this stuff. And you could just, you could tell, and he did a great job of it all, but I knew exactly where he was coming from sitting there watching him. Kind of weird to be on this side of it. Yeah, that's uh that's fantastic. So, so Memphis is going to be, it's not going to be your first one, but it'll be one of the, Three. Um, you know, it's an interesting time, and, and I don't know uh, of anyone who has a more unique perspective of Memphis. There's, you know, been a lot of back and forth about, you know, the performance this season, but they are going to a bowl game. Just from what you've seen and, and uh, you know, what you know about the ins and outs of Memphis football, what do you make of, you know, their season and, and, and what Ryan Silverfield is doing? It is crazy to be asking you these questions as, like, an analyst, but, like, that, Coach, that is – that's what you are now. You know, these are the questions that come at you. <laughs> well, I, I, all I know is what I've seen on TV. And I've got to watch a lot of football um, this fall. And I think they're really close. I mean, from a coach's perspective, I watch them. They're well coached in all three phases of the game. And they, I mean, you take the the Houston game. I mean, just an absolute gut punch, right? Just, I mean, you know, they really kicked Houston I had Houston beat, I should say, and then it kind of fell apart there at the end, and it, you just feel for him as a person. But also, if you look at it as a coach, you think, that, you know, they obviously know what they're doing, okay? Like, they had a few things not go their way, and I know Memphis fans uh, want more, and, you know, I get that part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact they do want more because it wasn't very long ago. They just wanted you to show that you were competent, Right. Like my, my first year we won four games and I got a contract extension. That's how bad we were. And that was not that long ago, you know? So 
I, I take pride in the fact that we have, um, you know, these expectations now. Um, I think we need to temper them a little bit, but I just think they're really close. They've got a really good quarterback. And, you know, looking at it from a coach's perspective, they, they know what they're doing. I like the way you still say we, Coach. What do you what do you think about? <laughs> tell me what you think about Seth Henning and that quarterback that you mentioned. Just having watched as much of him as you did this year. Oh, I love him. I think he's. he's I'm not sure how old is he. Is he a sophomore or going to be a junior? Freshman? Yeah, he's a true sophomore. Junior, yeah. He, yeah, true sophomore. Okay, that's right. Um, I think he's. I think he's really good. You know, I think he can continue to build around him and and get some more skill play. You know. Over the last couple of years, Memphis has been almost had an embarrassment of riches in the skill positions. You know, when you start to think about the tailbacks that have come through there and you think about the receivers that have come through there, I mean, it's, it rivals anybody in America. Okay, we're not just talking the American Conference. I'm talking about anywhere. anywhere. And, um, you know, they're not quite at that level, but they're still really, really good. And I think they can continue to surround him with – one or two more pieces, I think they got a chance to be incredibly explosive offensively. We're talking to a future media star, Justin Fuente, here on the show. Um, when, when you were at Memphis, and you talk about it, I mean, you, you, we, we all know and remember how you know how dire that situation was. Was there a, a a game? Was there a moment? Was there like a recruiting victory where, at that moment, you knew, hey, we're going to flip this thing? Yeah, well, I, I never wavered. I would say this. I didn't know when or how it was going to look, but I knew we were going to get it done. I absolutely knew that. And there was a never a day where I said we weren't. But I will say this. When Sam Kraft chose to come to the University of Memphis, that was a big deal. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, it was, you know, his dad was a very good player there, but Sam had other opportunities. He's really the first player that really could have gone other places. That, that chose to stay home. And I think it was – part of it was Daryl Dickey. Daryl Dickey played a huge role in that turnaround. And part of it was, I think, there were a group of kids that, that in the, the community that maybe weren't – maybe they couldn't go to Alabama, but they were very good players and, and high-character kids that, kind of like what I alluded to, just wanted to see some level of competence, and they were willing to latch on. And Sam was the first one that really trusted us that, um, you know, he, basketball was a big deal for him. He trusted us that we would let him play basketball, that we would find a ways to make these things work, that we were in it for him. And um, he was the, the first one. And then the first moment on the field was we were going into our third year, and um, we had a really rough schedule. I, I really didn't much care for our schedule. I mean, we, had, we were at – um, Old Miss and at UCLA, and at the time UCLA was really good. Um, I wanted to play just one of those games, yep. not not two. And um, we go and we run the first play of the game on offense, and we call this RPO. And Paxton meshes the ball and throws an absolute deed that hits the receiver before my head can even turn to to like see where the ball is supposed to go. It's already hit the receiver in the hands. And in that instant, in that moment, I thought we might have some. You know, this this finally looks like a real a real football team in that moment. We went on to lose that game closely, but had a really good season. And and the rest is kind of that was that was the UCLA game. 
Yeah, the UCLA game. I remember yeah. that one because there was like it was on the it was on the Pac-12 network, and like Memphis didn't get the Pac-12 network. There there were only like two bars in town where you could watch it. Everybody was like packing in. <laughs> but I, I remember that one too because you guys did compete against a and I, yeah. and I and I and I and I and I remember having the same exact thought. Like, man, if they're doing this, you know, like maybe. You know, maybe maybe Justin is about to do this thing. So yeah, it's 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 interesting that you you mentioned that game because that's that was that did feel like a turnaround. Well, the kids competed and they weren't shocked. You know, I you know sometimes and that was the, one of the things that was interesting when you start to talk about the the mind of a player that that hasn't been very good or that the teams haven't had success. There's this huge hurdle of trying to get over. You know, actually, really, we call it real self confidence. Actually, believing that you're going to find a way to get something done. And our guys played in that game, and we lost, but um, they were really talented, particularly, well, really on both sides of the ball, UCLA was. But um, we weren't shocked. Like, like, like we, didn't, we weren't in the middle of the second quarter and everybody was freaking out because it was a real ball game. Like, we were focused and playing, and that kind of led me to feel like we might have something. Well, coach, as media, as media now, now that you're one of us, you and you and you know the Memphis media. You know, hell, you know the characters and all the players in it. I, I just, I, I wonder, you know, one of the things we talk about radio media members. Oh, that coach was accessible. He gave us all the access in the world. Oh, I had a great relationship with him. As a football coach, how important or unimportant is it a coach's relationship with the media as it relates to selling the program, access, all that? You're now, you've been on both sides of it. Is it important? Is it not important? No, it is. And I've screwed it up both ways, quite honestly. You know, like I've, 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 I've made, I made plenty of mistakes at Virginia Tech uh, concerning that part of it. And um, I tried to – it was kind of interesting when we got to Memphis. Everybody was upset because there was no – I don't know what the actual rules are, but there was very limited accessibility. Well, then I made it accessible and nobody came anyway. <laughs> like, we were we were yeah. so bad, nobody really came anyway. But they just, I felt like I felt like by and large, they just wanted to know they could if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, so it is an element of it. And and you know, one of the things that we had, and when I say we, I mean my wife and I and my my young family when we were in Memphis, is there were people that looked out for us in terms of easy wins for us that I think are so important for a coach, whether that was Daryl Dickey. Um, whether that was Brad Martin, um, whether, whether that was various people throughout the community that looked out for us and said, hey, Justin, you may want to do this. It won't be that hard, but you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And um, I, think, I think it'll be good for your program. And we did all of those. And to be honest with you, I had a blast doing them. I really did. The, people ask me all the time the best part of living in Memphis, and it's the easiest answer ever is the people. The best, most intelligent, most caring, loving, passionate people uh, live in Memphis. And um, that, was the, that was the part that I grew to really, really love. And I took my next job at Virginia Tech, and it was a completely dim- different demographic in terms of none of those people lived in Blacksburg. Mm. Like, they're all in northern Virginia. They're all in Richmond. Um, they're all in the Washington, D.C. area. Where in Memphis, it's just you. You know, like, you know, we you can talk about the location in Mississippi and where it is in the state of Tennessee, but it's basically just us, right? It's just Memphis. That's right. And that was a really cool part of it because all those people were accessible and um, 
you know, this is a long way for me to tell you, yes, I do, I do think those things are important, but you have to not let them become a distraction to your team. It's a delicate balance now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, goes, it can become too much really quickly. We're talking to Justin Fuente here on the show, former University of Memphis coach, going to be on the radio broadcast as an analyst for the first responder bowl. Um, look, you know, we, we haven't talked since, um, but, but uh, you know, I, I, I made some really big predictions uh, about you and Virginia Tech, and, and look, I, I, will, I will hold those. I will gladly, and I would make them all over again. But as you've, as you've had some sort of time to – you know, reflect there at Virginia Tech, like, <clears throat> what didn't work? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot of things, and, you know, I, I've given this time to reflect on myself and ways I could have handled things. A lot of things changed during my time there in terms of how college football is run. It's not even remotely the same as it was my first year at Memphis. And... um and we tried our best to adapt to those things. Um, but, you know, I, I made some mistakes staffing-wise um, that right from the start that I should that I should have – that I knew after a little bit that I needed to change that I didn't change. And eventually I got it right, but it was a little bit late. Then COVID hit and all that sort of stuff. Our program was actually in really good shape. Um, and then COVID and, and all those sorts of things – came along and we didn't win as much the last couple of years as we should have quite honestly. Um, but you know, and then there's also the, like there, there's a reason they say don't ever take the job after, after the guy. Okay. And it has nothing to do with the previous guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like it, it has nothing to do with Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer lived in my neighborhood was great. His wife's wonderful. It has nothing to do with him. It's just, you have a place that's um, emboldened to do things a certain way for so long. It's very difficult to change. It's the people around that have a hard time doing something a little bit differently. I know when I took the Memphis job, it was basically people said, okay, we have not been very good. Tell us what you want. You know what I mean? That's basically the attitude when we took over at Memphis. We took over at Virginia Tech. It was a little bit more like, yep. Yeah, we've been we haven't been as good as we want to be the last couple of years, but this is kind of how we do things. And it was just a struggle, you know. Those things add up, and yep. you know, you get some you get some of that stuff going, and it just it makes it hard. Well, uh, look, I have no doubt. Uh, and my default setting, as it relates to you, has always been: if you can achieve what you did at Memphis in as little a time as you did, you are undeniably a great coach. The question for you is: when are you going to do it again? Um, what I know your name did come up for North Texas. They made a hire. Um, you know, how do you approach getting back into the game of college football? Well, basically, I would boil it down to this. I've had some preliminary conversations with everyone. I'm really happy. I'm 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 pretty well connected at North Texas in terms of just knowing people and uh, where I live right now, and so on and so forth. And and I think they made a, a fantastic hire. I, I basically got to the point where I just knew that I couldn't make the commitment to get back into – I'm not talking about North Texas particularly, but anywhere. I couldn't make the commitment. I just couldn't get myself to say – I got really excited about jumping into a job. I got fired up about that. But I'm not – I couldn't get myself to the point where I was excited about three to five, you know, to seven years of, mm-hmm. of going to go do that because – 
it's not a deal where you can just you just take the job and if it doesn't work out you just move on. Like you hire you're like a corporation. You hire an entire group of people and their families. You you can't walk away. You know, once you're in, you're you're all the way in for the long haul. And I just couldn't bring myself to to, to get to that point. It didn't have anything to do with the transfer portal or yeah. not loving coaching. I love coaching and I think I'm a better coach right now in this moment than I've ever been in my entire life. I just I just need to come to that place emotionally where I'm willing to give up the things that I've got right now, which is mm. time with my three young kids and mm. I'm at all of their games and, you know, really highly active in their life. Awesome. I just I just wasn't really ready to, to give all that up just yet. No, I, that that totally makes sense. And, and God bless contracts, right? <laughs> God bless certainly college football contracts. Um, I got to ask you as a as a as a you know as a football coach, uh, we obviously lost uh, you know one of the most influential college football coaches in the game this week, and and Mike Leach. H- had you had any interactions with him? It feels like everybody you know, and and that is the mark of a great life. How many stories you know people have. Uh, have you had any interactions over the years with, with Coach Leach? Well, I tell you what, I'm glad you asked. I, I, in, in like 2000, I graduated college in 99, December of 99. So like in 2000, I'm knocking around, still trying to play. And uh, one of my old coaches says, why don't you come to the coaching convention, which is an incredible event. Okay, this one was in, the, in Atlanta, Georgia. So basically all the coaches from across the country come for three days and socialize. And when you're a guy that doesn't have a job, it's big time. Like you're going to get to see coaches and, you know, be in the same room as them or listen to them speak. It's a really a cool deal. Well, long story short, my first coaching convention, I am a slap, right? Like I've never coached one. I coached powder puff in high school. That's the only coaching experience I have. I'm just a former player. And the only coaches I know are coaches I've played for. Okay, which is the, the staff at Murray State that's now at Illinois State. Well, through a, a long, twisting road that I'll skip, I end up in the back of a Honda Civic, okay, on one side, Mike Leach in the middle, and three other, okay, nondescript coaches about like myself driving through downtown Atlanta. Okay, Mike Leach at the time is the hottest name in America. Okay, he'd been the coordinator at the University of Oklahoma. He was now the head coach at Texas Tech. He'd been at Kentucky. This guy is somehow me, the, 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 just the biggest slap ever, is in the, crammed in the back of the car with, with Mike Leach. And I'm like, how did this, how did this happen? And he is sitting there, and he finds out I'm from Oklahoma, and he starts to talk about the Gundy brothers. And he goes into this story about Mike and Kale Gundy. Mike, the head coach at Oklahoma State. Kale uh, was at Oklahoma for a long time. And he goes into this deal about how he asked Mike and Kale's dad if he were to put Mike and Kale in a sack, who would win? And I'm like, <laughs> Coach Leach, a sack? And he's like, yeah, if we trap him in a sack and, and have him go at it. Who would, and this is what he's talking to, like, the elder Gundy, like Mike Gundy's dad. And he's telling this story, and I don't know. I, at the time, I'm like, I, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to be in this conversation. And then he says, "Well, Mike, what if I gave you a hammer? If I gave Mike Gundy a hammer and Kill Gundy didn't have a hammer, how would they come out if they were in a sack and they were in a fight?" And it's like 45 minutes of this story, and we get out of the car, and I look at everybody else in the car, and we're like, 
We just rode with Mike Leach and had a 45-minute conversation about the Gundy brothers fighting in a sack. And I have no idea if, come to find out years later, no. I mean, um, no, Mike Leach wasn't drunk. He was just Mike Leach. He was just the most, uh, you know, kind of entertaining, fun-loving, non-combative guy that would ride in the back of the truck. He's the hottest coach in America. He's riding in the back of a Honda Civic with a bunch of slaps. I mean, that's him. It's awesome. Just incredible. Um, maybe one more story out of you, if we, if we can get it. I hope you remember it. Um, when you were here, there was a brash recruiting reporter working at the Commercial Appeal uh, <laughs> by the name of John Martin, and you got I very did. angry with him, at least I don't know all the details, <laughs> over a story about Patera Wilson. <laughs> Uh, can you yep. can you can you tell our listeners as much as you remember about it why you were so angry with young John Martin? I do. I remember everything about it. I actually, um, I'm in a little bit embarrassed to say, actually got on the phone not with John, not just with John, but with John's editor. Wow. And the, the language I I was young. Wow. Okay. I would never I would never do this, but I was hot. I was really hot. And. Um, I'm happy to say John and I's relationship is in a much better place than Clearly. It was on that day. <laughs> Clearly. But, but I'll tell you what was cool. Was like, I mean, I was really mad because there was this article about how this, this kid had spurned Tulsa. I mean, excuse me, spurned us for Tulsa. When, in fact, you know, he it was kind of a little bit, he was probably a great kid, but it was probably a little bit of an internet hype deal for him recruiting-wise. Like, he maybe quite, wasn't quite as good as as the internet said he was, and we weren't, we weren't interested. And, and to my, to the best of my recollection, John wrote an article about how, you know, basically like, we got our ass kicked by Tulsa on this recruit. <laughs> at, least, at least that's how I took it. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Well, so like I wanted to get a piece of, I wanted a piece of John Martin's ass for that. I can tell you that. Much. So, uh, so, like I said, I was a lot younger at the time. So I got John on the phone and, and let him have it. And I'll tell you, to his credit, like, I mean, this is a guy that's hustling, trying to yes, sir. trying to make a name for himself. I'm really proud of, of all that he's accomplished. And he, and he basically said, you know, Coach, if that's true, I, 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 I might have messed that up, you know, which I, I was a little bit – it kind of um, – it took my temperature down real quick when he kind of just said, you know, if that's true – I'm sorry, you know, I, you know, that's not, wasn't my intention, you know, but I was, yes, I was, I was hot. I was uh, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of <laughs> so like when awesome. you get caught to the principal's office, you know, and then like, but then you become like one of the principal's favorites after that, you know, yeah, we, that's how about right. that? That's right. Yeah. You, you know? know what? Kiwan Malone, Kiwan Malone was me and you and Kiwan Malone. Kiwan <laughs> is one of my favorite people on this entire planet. But he spent all the time in the principal's office. But he always had the right answer. You know, he always had the right Come answer. On. Yep. You know what really what oh, really happened? What really? Because here's what here you're you you're you're like ninety percent of the way there. Your recall is pretty amazing. He had not yet yeah. picked Tulsa. He ultimately did pick oh. Tulsa, but the article was about uh, he had like a top five, and it didn't include Memphis. And he oh, said, "Oh, is that what it was?" And he yeah. said, "And he said." My parents don't want me to go there. It's what he said. Yeah, because uh, and, and 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 you were like, bro, we're not even, we're not even trying to get you here. Yeah. You know, like so. Right. It, unfortunately, it kind of made you guys look like you know look bad, whereas you aren't even interested. So it's kind of like we, right. I, you know, unintentionally threw you under the bus, you know, for for no apparent reason. 
But you know that's well, that's the game, though. You I, know, and if you, and if you're gonna play it, you got to be willing to hey. That was my f up. That was my bad, you know, because we're all human and we're all like you said, we're all just hustling and and nobody needs to take arrows when they don't deserve to take arrows, you know. So I was learning right. too. Well, like I, that's the deal when you're a coach. Like you're gonna screw things up anyway, right? So like you just don't want to take the arrow when you don't have to. And like you know, as I've gotten older, like I've often thought about that situation and how I handled it, and like a little embarrassed. Proud that I stood up for our program, but embarrassed mostly in the language that I used in standing up for our program. And I hope that I wouldn't do it the same way. But um, it's part of, like, when you take the job, like, it's time to go fight for the job. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you're all the way in, and you've yep. got to find a way. And I felt like we were getting some traction and some positive mojo or energy and Man, I'm sorry for jumping on you so hard. No, 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 no. That's not why we won. No, 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 no. He needed it. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It was the right man at the right time. You know, that young man needed it. And I'll be honest with you. You know, it is that. It is that. And I, I happen to be the in the crosshairs in that particular incident. But it is that spirit and it is that fire that absolutely helped you build the program and turn that program no, around. No, no question because, about because without it. That, what it was rooted in. You know, yeah. it's like you said, at that time, like, you had to be able to, like, and be willing to put your dukes up. Because if you didn't, you were just yeah. going to get run over at Memphis at yeah. that time. I respect that. I know. And I'm telling you, every day of every day, like, for about two years, like, I would just wake up and get as pissed off as humanly possible. And get ready <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was just the day. Like, it was just like, I, we are not going to lose this battle. You know, I don't care what's in our way. And we had a lot of help. Don't get me wrong. We had great help, tremendous help. But, you know, it was kind of that hunkered down, like like you said, just roll your sleeves up and, like, put your dukes up. Not just roll your sleeves up and, and pick up a shovel, but, like, put put your dukes up and go jump in the cage because every day is a battle. Hey, real quick before we get you out of here, we could do this, you know, all day. This has been this has been fantastic. Unbelievable. College football playoff prediction, who's winning? Uh, it's hard to, to not take Georgia. I mean, I, I, they, they might be head and shoulders above everybody else. I'm not sure. I mean, they're really, really good. Hey, Coach, uh, great stuff this was as awesome, always. Coach. Let, Thank let's you. do this, uh, you know, hey, if you don't uh, – if you don't jump back in the, the college football coaching side of it, we love to do this regularly now that you're in the media business. So appreciate the time as Thank always. Thank you, Coach. Justin Fuente. Hopefully you heard us. Former University of Memphis uh, football coach. No, he jumped off there. I don't know. Oh, good, man. It was uh, That was a great visit. That was a great visit. It sure and, was. And, 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 and I'm glad. It, it, it is hilarious to me because we've never we have, that's the first time we've actually talked about that. You know what He's I mean? He's great on radio. Let's just be very clear about it. He is. He comes through. Loud and clear, no doubt, and and, and a lot of people, um, <clears throat> a lot of people have, have sort of you know put out there and speculated that oh they, they that does not sound like a, a guy who does not love Memphis and then the community like oh, yeah. he was gushing about it, um, but yeah it's it's pretty funny to to hear <laughs> you know and he did end up Patera did end up going to uh, to Tulsa, Tulsa. Mm-hmm. but that would the the article was about his lack of interest in Memphis and I you know again I respect uh, the hell out of Justin for calling. You know me directly about it, and and I, and yeah, I didn't know he called the. Uh, I guess he called David. He or called David, the, the yeah. editor. I remember because David ooh, ooh, David texted me. David texted me and said, "Hey, you know you've done you've done it. You've made the Memphis football coach really mad." And I said, "What? What's for the? You know, because to me, I, I wasn't even like a. But then I was like, oh, okay, now I understand." And then Justin called me later, and he, you know, 
He started by, you know, I mean, he was lighting my ass up, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm listening, I'm listening, understanding. Look now, you know, look now. That is crazy how y'all's relationship's gone gone 180. Definitely, I consider Justin a a good friend, for sure. I love his energy level is now a media member. Oh, yeah, no. He's going up and down, he's dynamic. Like, the stories were great. Before we hit the air, I talked to him for just a couple of minutes because it had been a decade. Yeah. And because I spent two hours with him in the studio and we did a one hour meeting before he hit the radio. And that's when they sucked. They were not good. You can get anybody you want when they suck. For sure. When they're good, it's hard to get people on the radio. Yep. Uh, We did it with Porter. Turns out they sucked before and after Larry. No disrespect to Larry. But he, he, um, I asked him about what's it like not coaching. He, it's easy to talk like that when you don't have a gun to your head, man. Well, yeah, and I, I, a, I think he's been sandbagging us. I think he's always kind of had that. I think he's always had the ability to be, you know what yeah, I mean? But he can turn when you're up. when you're in the position, you know, you kind of have yeah. to keep it buttoned up a little bit. But, I loved your impression this morning on Jeff's show. I thought that was spot. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't get that from him today, though. No. He was very much not. That was football Fuente. Football Fuente is oh, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, like, but but that's the beauty of it, right? He's yeah. he's, he's he's out of the grind. Exactly. You know what I mean? But but in all seriousness, like the way that and, and his you know him coming at me was how he was successful at Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. vibe. You have yeah. to aggressive. Be, go on the offensive. Yeah, yeah you, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like defend your program. And I agree. That was I get it, man. Like you can't you you feel like you're finally building. You're building. Next thing you know, boom. Here comes a piece about a local kid that you're not even recruiting, by the way. And again, I've learned. I've I've learned some things since then. But a guy you're not even recruiting is taking shots at you, saying that he can't go there because his parents won't let him. So I completely, you know what I'm saying, respected that. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, uh, wherever he goes next, if whenever he chooses to get back into the game, I have no doubt that he is going to be successful. Oh, so yeah. appreciate him. Good get. Uh, yeah, really no, nice get. He was John. Very, he was very nice to do that. Uh, and again, you can hear him on the uh, on the broadcast. Uh, Memphis taking on Utah State here on 92.9 FM ESPN, the first responder bowl.